Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. You look nervous. I'm in a glass case of emotion! Slowly let go of me, I think you're brutal my neck me. That is why the warriors have come! I'll be back to have vengeance! Throw me a freaking bone here! Martini, shaken, not stirred. The force will be with you always. Avengers, assemble in the red corner. Standing six foot two inches tall, weighing in at 245 pounds. Is the eclectic collective. Welcome, Facebook family. Good morning to you all. So glad, so glad you could all join us this morning. Uh, we have a very special guest with us. You've, if you've ever been following us, you will have heard his name many times because he's a great friend of the show. But <clears throat> to make the introductions, I'm going to pass it on to Micah. Micah, lead us in. What's up, everyone in the uh, Facebook world? Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're doing uh, an episode today about G.I. Joe. Uh, everyone loves G.I. Joe. Well, I'd hope so. Real American you know, hero. Thank you, Jim, for the <laughs> It's our childhood. And, yes, we have Adam Butchery on, one of our favorite artists, very friend of the show. And yes. he got lucky enough to do a comic book. Wait, Jim has a graphic. Jim, throw the graphic up. It is up, my friend. <laughs> he has done this cover right here, and it is amazing. It is for the new Snake Eyes dead game that came out two weeks ago yeah about about two two and a half weeks about, ago about two weeks ago <clears throat> this cover is for one of our local comic book shops starbase 1552 yeah and this thing <laughs> <laughs> this thing is amazing adam how does it feel doing a, a cover for a comic book i i don't even have words um Ever since I was a kid, I mean, I always wanted to be specifically a cover artist. Um, of course, I'm an absolute huge fan of, of G.I. Joe. Grew up on it. <clears throat> have loved it every day since. Um, when I got the word that I could possibly be working on a Joe cover as my first cover to get published, it was, it was an absolute dream come true. It was I got I got big time goosebumps. It was it was a, it was an honor. It was really fun too. Oh wow! So. Tell me, is Snake Eyes your favorite, Joe? Absolutely. And I'm going to say something I'll probably get a lot of heat off of. I'm actually 100% a Cobra guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I, don't even, I honestly don't care for a lot of Joes. I just like mainly Snake Eyes off the Joe team. I'm going to tell you, in, in this, I'm going to... 100% Cobra. I'm going to tell you, it's... It's that's not a hard thing to come by because um, they in that in that genre they they really made all the Cobra stuff really cool and they made a lot of the Joe stuff really just weird and and 
yeah. I don't know. It's just... well, even, even when you're, I started dating not... my wife, uh, and she was kind of like getting into some of the stuff that I was into, and I was introducing her to different things I grew up on. She was like, you always like the bad guys. And I said, well, it's very easy to like the bad guys because they always look cooler. They have the cooler weapons. They got the cooler vehicles. They got, you know, all the stuff. She got to watching movies and looking at comics and stuff. And after a while, she was like, you know, you're right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a fan of the Cobra, too. It's, you're not yeah. wrong. Well, um, G.I. Joe's special to me because when my mom and dad, you know, for the longest time growing up, my mom and dad didn't have a whole lot of money. Um and the very first, like, brand new out-of-the-box uh, gift that they gave me that I have a memory of was the Cobra Rattler. Um, oh, yeah. And the one, the one with the wings turned, you know, up, you know, vertical yep. for the launch right. and everything with all the missiles and stuff on it. And uh, that was the first one they got me. And that was the first, that was the one I wanted, too, was the Cobra Rattler because it would look so much cooler because the Joe, the Joe plane just looked like a regular F-15. Right. Yeah. You know, I okay. I, I'm gonna be outside the majority on this one because <laughs> I did not like the the cartoon as a kid. I oh okay. There so many other cartoons I loved. What got me into GI Joe was the comic book. Even though the comic book was based on the cartoon, mm -hmm. the comic book introduced <clears throat> more characters and more in depth backstory than the cartoon allowed. Because the right. cartoon was only allowed so many minutes on Saturday mornings. That's true. And and then you go to the comic book, and you get a like a ten book series, and then it would go to the next story, the next story, and I, you get you just got more in depth, uh, you know, back origins and stuff like that. Like, uh, uh, is it uh, Destro? Destro. Uh, the the whitehead. Uh, Silver Silverhead, yeah, yeah, um, like stuff like that that was introduced in the comic books, and like I just to me, I I got I got more out of it from the book. When I watched the cartoon, uh, you know, I just got like that military feel. Um, yeah, I, didn't, I just it, it couldn't it didn't grab me like some other like like let me tell you like when I first saw like the X Men cartoon, I was all about it. Even though I already knew a lot about X Men mm -hmm. before cartoon even came out, it just it got me like, yeah. And you know when I when I first started watching GI Joe, it just I just couldn't man like I, I just couldn't, like you, I, so you I were, you were a mask guy. Actually, no man. I okay. I love I love masks. I love masks. But this is brotherhood. This is brotherhood. Jim <clears throat> mask. And when we were growing up, you know we were brothers. I hated masks. Because mm -hmm. he loved it. Yep. So I was like, you know what? Screw mask. I appreciate it. Like, I, I think it's cool today, like, the whole concept of mask. Like, I was more of, I was, growing up, I was more, uh, like, barbarian-esque uh, cartoons. Like, uh, Thundercats, mm -hmm. E-Man, Conan, yeah. stuff like that. See, like, I like. And see, I, did, I've, I stayed away from those. Those yeah, those did those did not grab me at all. I mean, I liked I watched a little bit of He Man, Thundercats, not at all, not at See, all. I'm a, I'm a lover of all of it. Love GI Joe. Love Thundercats. Yeah, I love it all. Ninja Turtles. Like I was like, gimme, 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 all of it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I appreciate I appreciate it all. I just I, I had like when we were kids around around the GI Joe time, I was more that genre than I others. Got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. 
So, Adam, I want to talk more about this book. Yes. Right here, which mine's signed, by the way. Didn't know if you know. That. <laughs> so, so is mine. <laughs> be jealous, uh, ever. Be jealous. Be jealous. This book was done by Rob Layfield. Uh, and Adelso did the the inking on it. No, um, actually, uh, Adelso uh, Corona actually did the inking and everything. And I was going to say, if, if you're unfamiliar with him, follow him, give him a Great um, artist. Oh yeah. And I was going to say he, um, check him out on Instagram specifically because a lot of times he'll do a, also like at night, he'll just do live feeds of like the pages that he's inking. It's therapeutic. It, it is seriously some of the best inking. He is a super talented guy. Wow. Um, Rob actually wrote and <clears throat> illustrated the comic, and, and uh, Adelso uh, did, did, did the inking. I believe there was also possibly another inker who has, who has worked on it as well, but I know that, that Adelso has done a phenomenal job. It, I mean, it really brought it to life. I, I, I was super happy reading through it. Cool. How was it How was it collaborating with both of them? I mean, you. I'm assuming you got to talk with Rob? I didn't get to talk with Rob. I talked with Adelso quite a bit. Uh, we keep up with each other and actually talk from time to time on Instagram. He's a, he's a super nice guy, very, very humble, laid back. Um, I never got to work directly with Rob or, or actually really anyone else involved. My, it's kind of like when somebody comes in and lays down vocals for a cartoon, you may not see anybody else. And then it all just kind of, uh, yeah, but, um, but no, it, it, the, the whole, the whole um, job in general it was it was phenomenal. Uh, also working through IDW, mm -hmm. they're a great company. Um, everything was silky smooth, super professional, and very easy. It was a great experience. Let me tell you, man. IDW, uh, we were talking about this last night. Um, towards the end of me like getting comic books, uh, I was more in the independent yeah. titles than marvel and dc because we were talking about uh how marvel and dc has they've just been flooding the market with any idea they have mm -hmm. and right. it just became too much you know for uh for me personally it just became too oh, much no, me to too up with. and uh and then you would like walk down and uh independence would have one shelf and you would see, you know, like Dark Horse, IDW, and then these new, uh, new, uh, new labels coming out, and they would produce some really good stories. Uh, like I was telling them um, about Oblivion Song. I can't remember what brand Oblivion Song is under, but I was like, see, this is this is why Independent is so good. You get the new stuff. You get yeah, stuff yeah. you never heard of, never seen, and like GI Joe. Going over to IDW just shows to me that that they're gonna get uh, a fresh new take, a fresh new look on story, background yep. stuff like that. Because yeah. over at Marvel, they're just gonna keep giving you the same thing with pretty right. with pretty pictures. They're gonna give you like all you know. They're gonna have some of the the best artists on planet Earth because they can afford it. You know, being under the uh, brand they're under. Yeah, but. That's really all you're going to get. You're not going to get any content. And you're going to get 70, like Micah said yesterday, you're going to get 72 different variants that you're like. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like with like a storyline through an independent comic as well, they can delve a little deeper mm -hmm. um, and also kind of appeal more to a very 
set demographic, whereas a lot of the, the larger companies have to appeal to such a broad, it's a such a broad stroke and the umbrella has to cover, you know, five to 105. Um, yeah. And they, they also have so many titles and they're having to put them out so quickly right. that I feel like a lot of the really rich, deep stories can, you know, I, I can see where I can kind of get lost a little bit. And you have to just kind of like stay on the surface level. It's watered yeah. down, man. Like, especially DC. Like, DC did this big, epic Catwoman and Batman are going to get married. Catwoman and Batman are finally going to get married. Yeah. And it was a great, started being a good arc leading up to it. And then it was just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like. Just like they, uh, we're going to uh, release the name of Joker. Right. Mm-hmm. It, like, that was like one of the biggest things in history because joker doesn't really have a name the only name he's got is jack napier in the movie but that you know you consider that an alternate universe the real joker of this earth 616 does not have a name and then they were going to finally after god 80 years or however long uh going to give him a name and then it ends up being that they did but he only gave it to batman and the reader doesn't get it and i'm like spoiler alert by the way that came out like six years ago if you haven't read it that's your fault yeah, yeah there, there's plenty of time to pass. You're good. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, so but stuff like that, man. They just they're they're building up these false stories, and then you you get nothing, and then you're like, all right, well, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I invested twenty bucks plus five variant <laughs> plus all the other crap you gave me. You know, Wait, way. I will. I, I thought about this the other day, and I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to veer off and go in the rabbit hole for a minute. But you know, we we kind of crap on DC a lot on this show because we love DC. We give them we give DC the props because from from a character standpoint, I think a lot of us agree that DC <clears throat> owns the they have I think the better characters um, yeah. and the more prominent characters. However. You know, ever since they've been owned by Warner Brothers, um, it, it's just it, the the direction they're going is is so scattered and so crazy. I mean, the DC toy line is getting sh- shaken up, and uh, everywhere you look, uh, what was the toy line they just cut off, Matt? DC Direct. DC Direct. And so, and I had like, I think I've got like, I think I figured out yesterday. Matt was telling me, I think I've got three or four of those toys now that are like going up in value or whatever. But yeah. um, <clears throat> I was thinking the other day, cause we were talking about how DC could salvage the movie universe and uh, maybe using flashpoint. But another thing they could do and to tie it back into this conversation is they could have a movie or a television show that <clears throat> address the multiverse, you know, in, in actually, right. and actually, um, identified, you know, which, you know, which multiverse each segment was coming from to identify that we recognize that all these pieces are a part of our brand and they, uh, this is, but here's the definition to make it make sense to you why they are the way they are right now. So, you know, I think think they kind of did that with crisis. And if they yeah, were smart, but again, they, smart, I, they would I, just use that. They're not smart. That's the problem, and they're not they're not connecting the CW universe. They did a little bit. They they brought in Flash for that, but again, and I and I enjoyed. Don't be quiet. You know it's your favorite Batman of all. Of them. <laughs> I I 
I enjoyed it from an entertainment perspective, but I hated it from an overarching DC perspective because right. um, it really didn't. It, I mean, it was enjoyable to watch the show for me because I'm not a Batman purist, and I understand why Matt thinks they crapped the bed with that because they really screwed up Batman in their telling of that story. Um, it didn't. It didn't bother me. It, I know it bothered him, and I understand why it bothered him. But from an overarching total picture, you know, broad, you know, 10,000, 50,000 foot view of DC, right. it really did, it really did, did them injustice, in my opinion, the way they did, the way they right. wrote it. Hey, Adam. I mean, this is kind of for a quick pop. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, let me ask you something, Adam. Uh, how, how, how did it feel when you were offered the front cover of this comic versus like the uh, challenges having to do the entire comic, you get to you get to have a cover of a major comic book. Uh, you know, you still have deadlines and everything, but with you know having to do so many pages a day, like in the book, do you like what you did? Like just having the cover of the comic book versus having to do the entire one, or are you wanting to work up to? you know, doing an entire comic book. Uh, well, I mean, if, if I was offered something like, you know, doing the entire comic, I definitely wouldn't turn it down. Um, I do, however, enjoy being able to do a cover, and then that's just my part of the project. Um, mm. bo both have their advantages, both have their disadvantages, I would say. Um, but with just doing the cover alone, I get to tell a quick story that you, like... You, if you're the kind of person you like to skim or if you're the kind of person you really want to get involved, I mean, that you know, that's all over the place. And everybody has their own thing. But I get to also, even just doing the cover, tell a quick story and just an image with yeah. no story, with nothing written out, with, you know, and that can be a challenge into itself as well. But I really enjoy that because I get to put all my heart and soul into that one image instead of, you know, having to kind of span the whole thing. Right. I, I tend to work kind of quick okay. anyway. So, you know, doing an entire comic would, would be a lot more of a challenge for me because there's so, there's so much more to do, but you're also still having those tight deadlines. Um, with this cover, IDW is, is actually really good about uh, deadlines and giving artists plenty of time and understanding how artists work and stuff like that. Uh, like I said, it, it was a joy working with them. But um, I've always been the kind of guy I like to... I like to have that upfront story that piques your interest. Well, I say story that piques your interest by right. just a single image before you ever even get involved. Yeah, right. and that was fun to me. Um, the fact where on you know on the cover <clears throat> I try to include, and I don't want to give too much away to people who haven't read it, but I'll just say a villain um, in the reflection of his visor, you know, and like you, you see the you see the embers burning, but you notice that his swords are gone, like. It's about to go down. He's yeah. looking right at him, and he's about to jump in. Immediately, you're like, "What's what's happening? Who's this guy? Why is he ticked?" So, yeah, it, it's fun. I love working on a cover like this. I hope there's plenty more to come. Um, and I mean, there's I'm, there's some stuff coming down the pike that looks very promising. I can't really say anything yet. I don't really have details yet, but right. I'll keep everybody posted. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, the reason I ask is because you, you have uh, like major artists like uh, like uh, Alex Ross and stuff like that mm -hmm. that only do covers now. Right. And, like, that's got to be like like not only you have like the, you could like pick your projects, you could like 
you could uh you, like know the story beforehand that's got to be a huge bonus because then you, you got to know how to make the front cover well, uh, and, and that, that was the funny thing actually with this one because it was the very first issue and a brand new story and then breathing life into gi joe after years and years of gi yeah. joe kind of taking a back burner to everything else um i actually didn't have access to the story Really? I, I didn't I didn't even know for this. I just did my homework and kind of figured out uh, very loosely what it was going to kind of be going on and also who the main villain was going to be and at least you know what they looked like because yeah. I didn't want to put I didn't I don't want to be the guy who put some random stuff on a cover and then you get into it and you're like well that had nothing to do with anything. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. it, it, it that could be challenging too, but uh but yeah there's there's ways around it and it all worked out. <laughs> I was like, I, I would think they would at least have to tell you what the villain looks like, like send you a picture so you could, you know, or be like, yes, hey, just draw snake eyes and then we'll tell you later what to put in the visor. <laughs> yeah, they, they were very, they were very protected um, and everything this go around of, of what all it was going to be. I don't think they wanted anything really leaking with this. So um, I had to be very careful as well. I had to actually present a couple of different ideas. I'd present two of them. <clears throat> And just like in rough and very rough pencil. So, um, so they were looking at your ideas, and they were determining themselves if it if it went up flowed with the actual story or not. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. yeah because, okay. Because like when I when I first got the offer, um, which also too, thank you very much to Judd at Starbase and everything. I worked with him directly, and all this is really because of him. So I, I appreciate that. J- Judd's a great friend, and everybody needs to go. Starbase fifteen fifty two, baby. <laughs> Yep, that's yeah. where you'll get this bad boy. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they they had to do essentially kind of like a portfolio review first, just to kind of see my work and my style and see if that's you know if I if it's something they wanted to go with. Then once I got the approval on that, I had to submit a couple different ideas, very very rough pencil, just very gestural, but at least so they could tell who was who if it was multiple characters. I did an homage cover. And also did my own take, which was the cover that got published. They approved both. Oh, oh nice! Because because IDW had to approve it, and Hasbro had to approve it. Right, right, right. Um, and they approved both, but I, I ended up going with the one that I just did myself because I didn't want anybody to come back later and say, "Well, he just piggybacked off somebody else's idea." You know, right. um, from a sales standpoint, I'm sure that the the uh, the cover swipe would have would have gone over extremely well. But um, I, I wanted I wanted to be original and do my own take with it. What, what um, was the homage? Great. What was the homage cover? It was uh, the New Mutants cover, where you know Cable's holding the the pistol and has all the bubbles with the characters. I did ah. the same thing except with with Snake Eyes holding a smoking gun and reaching for his sword, and and then down the side was other characters from the comic. Oh, and can we? Uh, is there? Will we be able to see that at any time? <laughs> I have. I still have like the very, very rough pencils. Uh-huh. Um, every single thing that I ever did um, th- that I put into this comic from the initial like little thumbnail sketches of me trying to get my own thoughts straight uh-huh. all the way up to final inks, uh-huh. they're already all completely sold. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. There but, you go. Uh, but but I, I do still have um, images and stuff, so I'll, I'll shoot you guys some some images of what it would have looked like. Dude, that's the power of Joe, man. I'm telling you, there's t- tons there's tons of Joe marks out there like me that are yeah. just super happy about this resurgence in Joe. Yeah. Uh, I'm super super stoked about 
the resurgence in the toy line, I think Has- yeah. Hasbro is doing, with one exception, and that that would be uh, Pimp Destro. Um, Pimp. <laughs> with with that with that one exception, I think I already bought two Pimp Destro. <laughs> Other, if anybody knows anything about the toy line, you'll know what I'm talking about. But other than yeah. other than that, even the Joes on in this new resurgence, they've made them all look super good. I mean, like really good. I know a lot of people kind of. Well, I'd say it tends to run kind of half and half. I hear a lot of people kind of hating on it because they're like, "Well, it looks it looks all modern and they updated stuff." It's like, well, well, yeah, that's the point. I understand if you're a purist and you're like an originalist, you want it to look that classic nostalgia like what you grew up with but at the same time too i love the fact that it does look more tactical it does look more it has more of a realistic element it looks more modern day yeah was gonna have to go into war i mean and that's just with with a little bit of a futuristic flair yeah with with some of the weapons but um i mean i love it i'm addicted to the line I've, i've already got the ones that i need with the exception of the forever super hard to find target exclusive <laughs> but, yeah. but um but but I, but even those i know like uh and i i went through my my phase too where i'm just like oh i can't find anything but here after the next several weeks and everything i'm sure those are going to restock and those are going to be there they'll be plentiful and in, in all oh, the yeah. targets and you'll find what you want yeah. well i tell you what man nostalgia is the killer of progress when it comes to like comic books and stuff like yeah. that man like it's the same thing in the Star Wars world, man. No, like a lot of people who grew up with Star Wars, a lot of them can't appreciate the new one because they hate that you know they have the prequels and these new ones that have tried to continue the story that are nothing like the originals. Right, right. So it's like you know, then they just hate it for that simple fact, and they don't try to appreciate it that someone's trying to carry on a story. You know, yeah. it's the same thing, man. Let me let me tell you, as someone who. Uh, you know, I still collect a lot of different toys today, and uh, I have stuff that you know had come out when I was a kid. I I think toys today are a lot better just because of quality. Quality, because yeah, uh, you know, like man, I remember you would move an arm, and then all of a sudden it would fall out as a kid. Yeah. And now <laughs> they, they, got, they got better stuff to where things don't fall apart as easily. So. Well, even like the old like real American hero line from like '84 and on and stuff, you know. It, I mean, at the time they were terrific and they were great. And of course, you're also a lot easier to please as a kid. Oh yeah. yeah. But um, but I mean, yeah, like you you turn them a certain way and the whole figure just falls apart like it's made of toothpicks because it was held with a rubber band. Um, as an adult collector, now you have these six inch figures and you know it's got thirty points of articulation. It's it's like a Marvel legend and it's I mean they're they're doing phenomenal things. They, uh, I mean, they could they could do sim- something similar to what uh, Star Wars is doing um, in their vintage collection. You know, they have a vintage collection, and yeah. they're they're bringing a modern day manufacturing <laughs> process to the look and feel of the older style figures. They're making them look like the older styles, but they're bringing the modern you know the modern day manufacturing that you know they last longer, a little bit longer. They'll they articulate a little bit better, but it yeah. still look has the same look and feel on the surface as the old eighties um, eighties toys. I think that's such a waste, man. Because it's like it's like buying a facsimile comic to me. But I mean, it, but so many people are buying them now, man. It's a huge market. I mean, there's some figures 
um, that I finally got that were super hard to get a hold of because so many people are buying them. Well, that's just like, I mean, G.I. Joe right now is putting out, uh, and of course already popping up in some places, they're reissuing the old three and three quarter inch line, except mm-hmm. it, um, they, they're more still along the style of the anniversary line, though. Right. I got the uh, I got I got the snake ass timber wolf in that one. Yeah. This yeah. goes back to the whole uh, repro thing. I don't know if y'all saw it, but Michael Havens got yeah. on mm-hmm. the other night and had a whole repro discussion because you know some people are. Uh, being fooled into thinking they have something that's worth something and they don't, and especially in like hard times. Uh, I, I think stuff like that, it, it, you know, just could have one day confused people because it looks, it, if it wasn't for the sticker on the Star Wars saying, you know, this is vintage series that you can easily take off, it's kind of hard to tell. You yeah. can make it look a little rough and make it and fool people who are getting into toys. You know, like if you don't have that that mindset, it, it could easily be done. You can See, fool and trick people yeah, and into I, thinking. There's a lot of been- yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on, and it's tough. It makes the collecting world very, very, uh, very hard to, to navigate. Um, however, you know, I don't. From from my standpoint, I appreciate them releasing these lines because I don't have. You know, one, two, three, four, five thousand dollars per figure, um, and I, you know, and I get, and again, I get it. I know that you can wheel deal, trade around, and spend time in the collecting world, um, but from my preference, it, it, you can you can go through a process where you could get the originals and everything, and have the whole collection, and it takes time. It takes a long time to do. Um, I appreciate the fact that I can buy these, you know, re- these new. Um, these new figures and put them in a collection, and I buy what I, I what just looks good to me. I don't buy anything yeah. because I think it's going to be worth one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars later on. Yeah. I buy it because I, it. I like I it. it. I yeah, that's what I, I buy it because I like to enjoy it, and I uh, I want to display it. I want to see it. It gets nostalgia for me. It makes me happy every time I see it. Um, and so, um, I'm not looking at it like, you know, this is all going to make me rich one day. That's, I mean, that, right. that's, that's the mindset that's going to get a lot of people into trouble. And if that's the mindset that you have going into this, you don't need to be doing it to begin with. Um, right. but if you're a purist and you, and you think you're buying something to enjoy it, that's going to be worth something one day, that is where, that's where the harm can come in. Yes. Yeah, like, everything, everything typically that I get hits a shelf and it's just up there for display. So yeah, right. Like I bought the repo Boba Fett. Yeah, because I've always wanted to own a Boba Fett, and they're uber expensive. Like the vintage ones are like super expensive. So yeah. this just satisfied my I want to own. <clears throat> a vintage Boba Fett. I know it's not. Vintage. I went through the. I'm going through the process now of piecing together. A vintage Boba Fett, but that's the only one I'm doing it on because it's the only one I feel I feel worthwhile. And I, again, I don't have the money to go buy one complete um, because some of these can be really, really expensive when you when you find them complete and in really, really good you know uh, really good shape, really good grade quality. Um, so I'm going through the the process of piecing one of those together. But um, as far as the Joe line goes. Um, you know, I, I am going to eventually look at probably collecting some of the uh, older stuff. I'm already looking at some of the uh, original vehicles on uh, eBay and a couple other places. 
And uh, I will probably wind up one day, maybe, you know, there's, there's a few toys that <clears throat> I'm willing to pay money for to get. Uh, the G.I. Joe Rattler would be one of them, the original, not, not the repro. Right. Um, and then like, uh, Transformers, Jetfire, you know, there's the original, the original G1, um, um, uh, Optimus, Pri Optimus Prime, stuff like that. Uh, cause I've already got some G1 stuff. I've already, I've already purchased to put in the collection, but there's only, it's again, it's just, I'm not trying to piece together an entire collection. I don't feel like I have to have that whole wave. I have to have all 72 figures in that wave. I just buy the figures I like that look good, you know? Well, that's just like that, the wave one of this this uh, new G.I. Joe Classified came out. I only wanted two of them. Yeah. I got those two. I got my Snake Eyes and I got my Destro. Um, <clears throat> out of wave two, all I want is the Cobra Commander. Now, out of this Target wave, um, really all that I wanted was, I mean, if I come across a Baroness eventually, I'm, I'm hit or miss about the bike. I don't yeah. really care about the bike. Right. That's like her classic look yeah. with the articulation that they have now. But um, give me a few troopers and I'll be, <clears throat> I'll be <there. laughs> I still, man, it still just goes back to the whole fact that Cobra has the, I mean, Baroness, man, what a character. I mean, what a yeah. name to have as a, you know, they just had the better names, the better look. They were just, you know, ma they made them so cooler. <clears throat> one thing about the show that always made me go crazy was, <laughs> <laughs> the G.I. Joe, you know, the laser guns they would shoot? Yeah. yeah. Cobra would always shoot blue, and yeah. the Joes would always shoot red. red. Yeah. And then you always, you know, I always thought... It should be opposite. Right. Isn't good guys shooting yeah. blue? Yeah. Bad guys <laughs> shooting red? Especially with Cobra being blue. Like, they all wore, like... Some you're right. You're going, you're going back to the Star Wars lightsaber theory. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then, for that fact, you go back and you watch G.I. Joe, and you bring politics in it, and then... Who's the good guy and the bad? You know, like some people watching outside the country could think us American Joes are the bad guys. <laughs> is the good guy. You never know. You know, uh -huh. it was just crazy. It's. I don't know. I liked the. I, I loved the cartoon. I liked when they brought yeah. Sepentor in and and Mindbender and this, when they actually turned Cobra Commander into a Cobra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they're, they're showing they're showing you know, all of the old ones right now on YouTube. Yep, uh, they, they have a whole whole movies. channel. Yep. Speaking of movies, oh, there's a new Snake Eyes movie coming out. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and throw my opinion down um, on the movies. The first one, the first uh, new GI Joe movie that came out, Channing yeah. Tatum. Uh, I loved it. I still love it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought they crapped the bed with the sequel. Um, because they felt like for some odd reason they had to go out and bring in two more huge names. Like, you know, Channing Tatum wasn't a big enough name or something. I don't know what they were thinking. But for some reason they felt like they had to bring in The Rock and Bruce Willis to save the franchise, which I thought it was doing fantastic the way it was. And I, in my opinion, I think they they crapped the bed by going with too much star power. I, I felt like it should have just remained Channing Tatum's franchise and he should he would have been able to carry it on. That's just my that's my opinion on those men. I, I agree that I think the movie storyline was crap. I think yeah. I think uh, the Rock was the perfect roadblock, <laughs> like because yeah. he had the size. You can't find anybody who has the size of the Rock right today. That's that's in movies. Yeah, they did pick him because he had the star power, and they're trying to at least get three movies like everybody does. But I thought picking him 
because if you watch Rock and military characters, he's perfect. Like, especially like in Fast and the Furious, he was made for that role. I think they were trying to bring that role over to G.I. Joe because that he's perfect for it. And Roadblock is like to the to the letter military man, but he's also got that size. That's why they call him Roadblock. Like, right. he is just massively huge. I think he's the perfect roadblock. When they picked him, I was like, yes, he's going to make that role. But and then they put him in, a, in, like, a bad movie. So it was like, uh, you know, like, they did. Like, they even brought Channing Tatum back, but then they didn't have him in the movie. They just had him, like... They had they killed him off. Or they, like, presumably um, killed him yeah, off. Yeah, I don't think they killed him off. I think they were trying to... I really think they were trying to bring the mystery when it came to Channing, Channing Tatum, but... They had him like he was going to be a big part, and then all of a sudden he was gone. Yeah, Bruce Willis's part. I, all right, that that was kind of crazy, but yeah, the, I agreed though. The movie as a whole, I was like, yeah, I'm not, uh, but be, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be the exception to the rule on this one, and, and the reason why, <laughs> and it's not even because of like story or because of acting or whatever. I liked the second one ten times better than the first one. Really. But wow. I think what the reason with me is because from an artistic standpoint of view and like me always like soaking in and loving the way that things look and the way that things were kind of executed. Um, th- that whole look of Cobra Commander in that first movie, I was just like, what, what am I watching? Yeah. Right. But, in, but in the second one, not only did they get the look of all, all the characters right, but they added in more of the kind of more nostalgic vehicles. It looked like that they just had these huge size toys that they're riding around in. I mean, it was all like the Joe line type vehicles. I mean, they were tweaked a little, but um, seeing that, like seeing the, like the, those, his tanks roll up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, this is, this is more the direction it needs to go. Yeah. I, 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 agree, was the same, I was the same way. The first movie, I, I was not a fan. Like I didn't like, the way they did Mindbender and being Cobra Commander and what they yeah. did with Cobra Commander. And I mean, I actually liked Marlon Wayne's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, he did great. Yeah. What was his character's name? Yeah, I'm blanking on it. Sorry. I am too. Was uh, it Ripcord? Ripcord. Yep, cord. Ripcord. There you go. <laughs> and I was like, I thought the casting they did well. I just wasn't a fan of the story. I, I was not like a right. The suits yeah. in part one that gave them like superpowers. It was like Iron Man and GI Joe had a baby. Yeah, yeah. And gave them two suits that made them to where they yeah. could accomplish anything. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" For and what? For me, I like the characters, but not the story. And then the same thing, like Adam said, in the second one, the story to me like looked GI Joe, like it looked Joe. And, and talking about like the the vehicles and stuff, yeah, that was the one thing that I loved in the, the first movie. Was, we, I yeah, wasn't a big fan of Channing Garbage. Y'all but. are both talking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can't get, I don't understand either one of you. All of a sudden, I got a little bit of a, of a lag on it, too. Um, in that first movie, they did, though, um, throw in, like, the Night Raven. Like, when they showed up, yeah. and it was in, in that Arctic cave, and they had that huge jet in there, and then that, that little aerial battle. See, that's the kind of stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. But as far as, yeah, like you were saying, like the story and like the, the look of some of the people from the first one, like, ugh, I feel like they really missed the mark. Yeah, I agree. And the, I mean, the second one, like you were saying, the, the second one felt more Joe, more like the vehicles, the look. Yeah. Now the story, yeah, the story was just straight crap. 
See, and that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like the look, yeah, I can give you the look. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm probably out of these. This group, I'm not the purest on Joe's. Uh, you know, I, I, I always go for storyline when I go for movies. Like, like, you know, like it didn't bother me in X Men that Wolverine didn't have his costume. It didn't bother me. It was all about character. It was yeah. all about the character of the person. So, but a lot of people were disappointed he didn't have one of his iconic costumes. But, you know, I thought Hugh Jackman took over that role to the point to where he owned he it. He owned that thing. So, but that yeah. that's what that's where it goes for me in G.I. Joe. Like, you know, G.I. Joe 2 will probably have the better look. But to me, watching 2, I was like, it took it took a storyline from other movies. Like they were like they became outlaws. It was like the A team. They became the A team because they are no longer allowed in the military because the, you know they're being framed for you know the death of this and what happened and all this. So now they're they're flying underneath the government and everything. So now it's A team meets GI Joe, uh, you know, trying to save the day and all this stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I've seen this before. This is. And not only have I seen this before, they didn't, to me, they didn't really execute it well. And to me, the only one that played their character well was The Rock. But at the same time, he's playing a character he's already played. Right. So it's, it's, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in characters he's brought from. And, and that's why I didn't like him there. It just, it goes back to them rehashing the rock in the same role over and over and over again. And yeah, I mean, you know, the rock's got chops, man. The rock can act. He's, he, he can be serious. He can be comedic. He can do whatever you need to do. It's just Hollywood keeps reprising that same persona in every movie they put him in. And I can't stand it. Now, you know, from his perspective, you know, the dude's a gajillionaire because of it. So, I mean, power to him. Uh, if, What's funny about that, too, is like it also just depends on what type of fan of an actor that you are. Because, like you said, he's kind of just the rock and everything that he's in. Yeah. And a lot of people hate that. But a lot of people also love it. Just like take Christopher Walken. He's Christopher Walken in every single thing that he does. But people love it. So yeah. you never know. But the thing is, but the, but the thing is, but the thing is, shut up. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is about Christopher Walken though that you, it, it's a it's not apples to apples comparison because Christopher Walken has a delivery that's his that's his persona, but in that yeah. same within that same persona he can he can be funny he can be serious oh, yeah. he can he can go he can take you through the whole broad spectrum still being Christopher Walken. Um, you know, when The Rock is The Rock, it's that same persona over again. Um, and we've seen, and I've seen it in across the board and stuff he's done. Um, I mean, all, I followed The Rock his entire career from his wrestling days, and I know the man has um, acting chops. He can be, he could be, play a serious role. I mean, I know he could, and uh, but I just, I just wish people would give him the shot to do it. But back to the, back to this movie though. Um, I, I don't like, I mean, don't be wrong. The concept on paper of him being Roblox sounds good to me. However, it just became the rock being, you know, reprising every role he's ever done in this movie, right. which I hated. That's one of the things I hated. I didn't hate the fact that he, they brought him in. I hated the fact that I felt like I was watching every other movie he did. Um, in this one movie, there was nothing different that he brought to this role. 
Um, yeah. So that that's what I hated about it, and I felt like Bruce Willis was out of place. Um, yes, yeah. yes, the vehicles were fantastic, but you can't polish a turd. I mean, you know, right? Adam, yeah. Who says hi? Adam, uh, Kathy Meert says hi. On oh, Facebook. hey, Kathy. <laughs> I need to swing by and see her sometime soon. Okay. <clears throat> so the new new Snake Eyes movie is coming out. What do you guys think? I'm excited. I'm excited. Like, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, I think it's I'm gonna, gonna hold off thinking like you know. I never want to get my hopes up with movies that mean a lot to me anymore because you can be easily let down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed uh, to come I'm out not. this year. Right. I'm yeah. not excited at all. Because <laughs> 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 they got a guy who doesn't know martial arts at all. They they I, I've been following the guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but. Uh, he uh, he's been uh, learning martial arts for the movie. This is this is what kills me, man. Henry, Gold. there are some freaking amazing martial artists on the market right now, and they're they're only getting because they treat martial artists like uh, stunt doubles, and they're only getting uh, B-rated movies because okay. they're that good. They're like they don't want them to leave the scene. Because they're going to use them in major movies as stunt doubles and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they get B-rated movies so they can have a starring role, and then they come straight to voodoo. And uh, what's his name who uh, – help me out, Micah. He played Phantom Menace. Uh, he played Ray Darth Park. Maul. Ray Park. He has been treated that way his entire career. The biggest role like that besides uh, Phantom Menace, which – really because of the paint and stuff you couldn't really tell was toad in x-men like he got a speaking yeah. role and it's him and everything uh but everything else he's done like he's not been in front of the camera unless he was in a b-rated movie so this is this is why they got a star they got a star to be snake eyes who doesn't know martial arts it did the same thing to iron fist in the show they got this little scrawny white rich kid that looks like he went to freaking Harvard and all this stuff to be Iron Fist. And That's terrible. No martial arts talent whatsoever. And like, it was complete garbage. This is what you, you have people out there that can act and do martial arts at the same time. And some, in a movie like snake eyes, you don't need a whole lot of acting talent to me. If you are a martial artist, like, Perfect example, Wesley Snipes in uh, Blade. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's amazing. He made not only did he make that character because he's a good actor, but he is a trained martial artist years before he was given that role, and it showed in that movie. He yeah. did his own stunts. He did his own martial arts. Right. He did everything that he was trained up to that point, and he made that role perfect. Now you give somebody roles that doesn't know martial arts, and then they have to learn it for that role and they're only using it for that role then to me i'm like it now he can come out and be freaking awesome he can but i'm not excited for it because yeah. he doesn't know it i'm watching him learn on instagram and stuff mm -hmm. because post stuff every day and i'm like all right awesome he's probably getting trained by the guys who should be taking that part and i'm like eh, whatever you know, it's, I it's, it's, it's it's one of them. It's one of the million gripes I have with Hollywood. 
right now. But you know, a lot that that type of thing is this this argument's been around for a while. That's not a this year thing. That's that's been a right. that's been a century old argument. Um, I, I will say the only time that teaching somebody something new off the right out of the gate and everything for a role paid off extremely well, though, John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. I mean that's true, but like I remember watching before jo- the first John Wick. Uh, I remember watching um, Keanu Reeves doing those uh, those sh- shooting contests mm-hmm. before yeah. the first one. So he already had some of that. Now the martial arts part, but at the same time, he didn't do really anything outrageous. To me, the most impressive thing about John Wick was the way he shot his guns. Yeah. He would do like yeah. a roll. He would do like a martial arts move, roll, and then shoot a guy in the head. And I was like, well, it's not just, it's not just the, it's, it was always cool. It's not just the guns. It's the way he can turn anything into a weapon. Look at the library yeah. and the book. I mean, he can right. turn anything into a weapon and the way he threw those the way he throws knives i mean he's lethal with literally anything in his grasp so i mean pencil. yeah a freaking pencil, pencil. <laughs> uh, here, i'll give you an example of an underrated martial artist who in my opinion could have taken the snake eyes role because he is a close friend to ray park and ray park kind of endorsed him is scott atkins scott atkins is the epitome of the best martial arts artist on the market right now only getting b-rated roles and then coming in and doing stunt double work because that's what he's good at Mm -hmm. but he's also proven that he is a really really good actor and but he's not getting the roles and Mm -hmm. i don't if you don't know who scott atkins is uh he was in the undisputed movies as uh um uh Bolov or Bolad or whatever his name is. And then he was in the uh, second Expendables under Van Damme. He was Van Damme's uh, right hand. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And he is an, um, if you have not seen his movies, go and watch his movies and watch his talent. Uh, Especially Undisputed 3. That's like his his movie. Okay. Um, But he could, he, he is one of the greatest martial artists on the market today. Hands down, hands down. And he could totally take that Snake Eyes role and make it his. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, okay, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Snake Eyes, honestly. Like backstory, I don't know if he was the white guy trained by a family. He was trained. He was trained. He, he was yeah. trained by Storm Shadow's family. His father. Yeah. But he was a white guy. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, but they didn't they get an Asian guy to play Snake Eyes now? Like it's an Asian yeah. guy. Man. Yes. It's Henry Golding, the dude from uh, uh, Crazy Rich Ain- Asians, or yeah. Oh God! Now I'm less excited. <laughs> the main character, the Crazy Rich. He was in the Gentleman. Too. But here's the thing about Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes, you don't see and you don't hear. So. You know, he's all about, it's all about, you know, how he carries himself in action. So, it, you know, you could put any, and in my opinion, you could really put anybody in that role. And, you know, it's, I may, okay, so maybe if they do some unsuited backstory, maybe there might be some issue or something. I don't know. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm open-minded. I I'm, mean, I'm, I, I'm not excited nor go, I, okay, ready for a little bit, rewind. Rewind. Uh, I'm not super excited, and I'm not like, eh. I'm I'm in the middle. I'm like, I'm gonna go see it. I'll give you a chance. Wow me. I have no expectations. I guess that's that's the. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. I'm the. 
I'm a huge fan of G.I. Joe. Love Joe. Um, me personally, I would have rather had a new G.I. Joe movie than a Snake Eyes solo movie. Um, I, I would have preferred a reboot. But if, yeah. I mean, but if they use this yeah. as a reboot, then I'm happy with it. But I would have preferred a whole franchise reboot, yeah. too. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I want... I want it to do well, so hopefully it'll give me more G.I. Joe movies. And uh, see, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't know, man. Like, I, 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 I'm, in, I'm in the advocate mode now. See, like, I think this role right here could jumpstart a new career. And, like, and they're giving it to somebody who's already established. Like, that guy who, the guy who's in Crazy Rich Asians has done, like, ten movies since that movie. And he's already established. Like we, this is why we can't get anybody new these days. Is because we can't take these roles like Snake Eyes, who does it's a small to me. It's a small role because whoever's in the suit, you're not, not going to. You're not getting seen. You're not getting seen. So you're not getting like FaceTime. Yeah. 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 So it's like we can totally find somebody who's going to be in the suit and then can do the small screen time if they take their mask off, and then boom. You got somebody who just jumped, they just jump started a new career. They don't do this in Hollywood. They're no. trying to get name power and yeah. uh, for these small roles. This is a small role. If this was a huge role like Blade, mm-hmm. like, you know, I totally get why they picked Marsala uh, Ali for that part because it's going to be all face. He doesn't cover, and you need someone, you need more of a, a badass than you do anything else because. Yeah, Wesley Snipes made that role, and you kind of have to live up to that role or make it better. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the so, only thing I don't like about that casting is he's not a big martial artist either. Exactly. Right. That's, but that's, that's what I was talking about. Is they they could have found somebody uh, like the guy who was on the TV show Blade. Man, he was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a great show, but he was a great Blade. Um, see the stuff like that, but uh, when it comes to like. Like these roles, I'm I'm always on the advocate role, and I'm like, this is totally a movie you could have give, you could save money. I bet you they could have saved money on this movie by getting someone. See, and that's that goes back to the point of you know, um, go back to go back to your low budget. You've Matt, you've argued this a lot in our conversations. Go back to controlling your budgets. Don't bring in The Rock and Bruce Willis and cost yourself half a million dollars to make this movie. You know, make this movie for you know. 20, 10, 20 million and, uh, and double your budget. I mean, if you make it for 20 million and you double it to 40 million uh, or even triple it to 60 million, 60 million for a movie is not, not considered great anymore. You know, it, within this day and age of billion dollar movie releases, yeah. $60 million is not that great. But if you triple your budget, you're tripling your money. That's good. That's good business. And, Give that, give these roles to those you know lesser knowns, and let them try to build a career, and you build a franchise on top of it. Because by the time you get to the third, fourth movie, you know you could build these up to you know half million dollar or half whatever yeah. billion dollar movies or whatever. And and you're you know you're controlling your budgets, you're making you're making money, and you're uh, you have you save the money that you can now put to writers. To give us a good story, you know, br- bring in some of these comic book story writers to write a, to bring in to adapt some of these great comic book tales to screen. I, I mean, so because nowadays a lot of the the writers and stuff, the way that comics are written, mm-hmm. it, it's nowhere even remotely close to the same, right? As 
the comics of yesteryear. I mean, there's stuff now that, like you said, if, if there were, I mean, don't change it a bit. If there were direct movie adaptations, it'd be up for Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the, the true death of Superman. Yeah. Yes. If you did it by the book, that would have been nominated for an Oscar. Yep. Like I, I understand how they, you know, why they did it the way they did it to save money in the movie. But I'm like, man, there's a whole story to the death of Superman. You can make that a trilogy. You can yeah. just make a trilogy. Like this is what, uh, you know, they did the cartoon movies mm -hmm. uh, to tell that story. Right. And I was like, amazing, amazing. That's the only know, thing that DC's getting right are those those newer cartoon movies. Man, those things are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they always yeah, have really good stuff. I, I agree that the Superman is to my heart, and I would—I honestly would rather have a movie that's an exact adaptation of the death, the return, and the the men of tomorrow. Yeah, I would give it to me as a movie. Yeah, you can do it. I don't care if it's you take page for page out of out of the comic book. Well, guys, I'm gonna end it here. Go to Starbase 1552 and get Adam's book. It's the new Snake Eyes Dead Game. Um, make sure you pick up your copy. I'm sure Judd still has some. Mm -hmm. um, Adam did a signing a couple weekends ago. I don't know if Judd may have him out again to do another signing uh, or not. But I'm always open to being out there. I love being there. <laughs> it's a great comic book shop, man. It's a great comic book shop. Yes, it is. But, uh, Snake Eyes, one of my favorite characters, G.I. Joe. Jim's favorite character, we all know that. He's a Snake Eyes freak. Matt doesn't really care about G.I. Joe. We've established that. I care uh, about it. Let me lay it That was the best part of G.I. Joe 1, the movie, when they're like, yo, Joe. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you finally put something from G.I. Joe in it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> We're going to end it there. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Thank um, you, guys. I don't think we, have, we don't have any announcements. Thank you, Adam, for uh, joining us on this G.I. Joe topic. Absolutely. Uh, we definitely wanted people to know about the book. It's a yes. great book. Go buy it. Starbase 1552 Comics. Go buy that comic. Great cover. It's my favorite cover out of all, like, 26 of them. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. If, if you can't make it out to Starbase... Call in, buy it. Judd will ship it to you. That is, yes, he will. Yep. He will ship it to you. Starbase fifteen fifty two. And also, um, with, I mean, of course, you know, this year pretty much is a dud as far as everything getting canceled. But next year, starting up um, at different conventions. If I'm out of town and like other locations, kind of like traveling far away at shows, I'll have them with me at my at my table. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. Man, before we sign off, tell everybody like where to find your artwork, where to buy, where to commission, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can reach me directly now. Right now, I'm actually dealing with a uh, off and on a bad hand injury. I'm probably going to have to see a specialist, so some stuff's kind of on hold a little bit. But you can reach me my my direct email. It's just my last name, and it's b u t t r e y buttery dot design at gmail dot com. Uh, you can also follow me. On Instagram, I do more on there than I do on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, it's just at Buttery Design. And then my website is just Buttery.Design. That's the whole site. He's already got a lot of amazing work already yeah. to, to buy. So I appreciate that. Well, guys, thanks for uh, having this roundtable on G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. And uh, get the comic and uh, stay eclectic, everyone. Thank you, everybody.